Okay, let's go ahead and open up our Bibles, please, to the book of Exodus, chapter 33. Exodus, chapter 33. And we're going to read from verses 7 through 11. Exodus, chapter 33. And we're going to be reading again from verses 7 through 11. Let's pray for the offering. And let's pray for the reading of God's word here this morning that God would bless it. Father, in the name of Jesus, as we open up our Bibles now and as we begin, Lord God, to look through the scriptures, we pray that you will anoint the reading of your word. I pray, Lord God, even for the offerings that we're receiving here this morning. Thank you for all the things that are going on with our children's church program and the ministry that's going on there and the prizes and the games and the toys and all the stuff that's coming in for that uh, great event that we want to have here at church for the kids and the families especially those that are hurting right now, those that are out of work right now, those that are struggling right now. Uh, we especially want to be a blessing to them, Lord. And so we pray right now, God, that you would bless the offerings that we're receiving, whether it's online, whether it's by mail, whether it's in person. Lord God, help us to be loyal and to be obedient to serving and ministering and, and honoring the church. So, Lord, bless this service here this morning. Bless the reading of your word, anoint it, and help me, Father, to share the word, Lord God, in a way that will bring glory to your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, Exodus chapter 33, starting at verse 7, the Bible says this. Now Moses used to take a tent and pitch it outside the camp some distance away, calling it the tent of meeting. Anyone inquiring of the Lord would go to the tent of meeting outside the camp. And whenever Moses went out to the tent, all the people rose and stood at the entrances to their tents, watching Moses until he entered the tent. As Moses went into the tent, the pillar of cloud would come down and stay at the entrance while the Lord spoke with Moses. Whenever the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the entrance to the tent, they all stood and worshipped, each at the entrance to their tent. The Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. Then Moses would return to the camp, but his young aide, Joshua, son of Nun, did not leave the tent. So for those of you guys that have been attending our, our services the last few months, you know that for the past few months we've been looking at young lives, of, uh, the young lives of some young people that eventually became great leaders for the Lord. We began by looking at the life of David. And if you remember, David was uh, categorized as the least likely to succeed. He was overlooked by his parents. He was uh, felt to me uh, be insignificant. The runt of the family, last to be chosen in any kind of sports activity. He was neglected. He at times probably felt invisible and at times was the forgotten child. And then we looked at the life of Joseph. He was the favorite son of Jacob. Then we looked at the life of Josiah. He came from a dysfunctional home. And we just finished the study in the life of Samuel, who was like an orphan or a foster child. Now, the reason why it's so important for us to understand what these young people experienced and went through is that I believe that all of us can relate to one or more of these individuals and what they've been through in their life. Maybe you're listening to me right now and you have felt insignificant, unimportant, invisible, neglected, just like David did. And yet David chose to seek after God and he found God, even though he was going through these difficult things in his life. Maybe you're listening to me right now and you are the favored child or the favorite child or person, whether it's in your home or at your work or in your school 
school. You had lots of support from your parents or from your teachers or from your coworkers. But then suddenly, and through no fault of your own, everything was taken away from you, including your parents and everything that was familiar to you. Everything dear to you was stripped away from you. Everything important to you was stolen because of betrayal, backstabbing, jealousy, envy, and hatred. You had dreams and goals and wanted to achieve great things, and now you have nothing. This is what Joseph went through, and yet Joseph chose to seek after God, and he found God. Maybe you're listening to me right now, and you are in a seriously dysfunctional family where illegal and immoral things are are, are occurring around you daily, where your life is threatened daily, where you are in danger of being arrested daily. There is illegal, corrupt, and evil activity in your home. Your parents and relatives are full-on meth and heroin addicts. They are involved with drug dealing, gang violence, prostitution, and they carry guns. This is what Josiah had to face daily as a young child and teen, and yet he chose to seek God, and he found God. Maybe you're listening to me right now, and you are a foster child or an orphan living with a family that is not your family. You have aunts, you have uncles, you have cousins, but no one wants you. No one wants to take you in. You've been rejected, and the family that you're living in with right now is part of the system, and that family is seriously messed up and has a lot of problems. You're being bullied by the family members who are uh, and the siblings that are older than you. There's no one there to defend you. There's no one there to protect you. This is a situation that Samuel faced, and yet he chose to seek after God, and he found God. So even though these young people faced very difficult and overwhelming issues, they all chose to seek God, and they found God, and they were blessed by God. So even now, there is really no excuse. What is the point of all this? The point is this. There is really no excuse for anyone to offer themselves unto the Lord and to to come up with anything that they would have to say as to why they don't want to seek God and why they don't want to get closer to God and why they don't want to follow God. No matter what you're facing, God is letting you know that he wants to be on your side. And if you're willing to put those things aside and seek after him, you will find him and God will bless you. Is everyone getting the picture here? Can you say amen? Now, I may not have touched on what you're going through, but believe me, whatever it is that you're going through, if you surrender it to the Lord and you give yourself to God, God will bless you. So there really is no excuse. Now, you may say, well, Pastor Jerry, you don't know or understand my situation. Everything that you said, it doesn't apply to me or none of that relates to me or that doesn't connect to me. My situation is unique. Uh, You know, it doesn't it doesn't fit my situation. My trial and the challenge that I'm going through, it's unique. My pain and the excuse that I have, it's unique. Well, I hate to rain on your pity party of excuses, but if you're not following or seeking God, it's because you don't want to. That's just the real truth. The Holy Spirit says there is nothing and no one stopping us from seeking after God and connecting with God. If we are disconnected, it's because we have chosen to be disconnected. Because God is the solution to whatever you're facing in your life. He is the solution. Not Pastor Jerry, not your neighbor, not your parents. No, no, no. We're all going to fail you because we're all people. But God will never fail you. But just in case there is still someone out there that is not convinced that you can connect with God under the most severe of circumstances, today I want to begin 
a study on the life of Joshua. But before we can get information about Joshua, we first have to look at the life of Moses. In the text that we began with this morning, we read about Moses and how he would meet daily with God outside the camp of the Israelites. And I'd like to go back and read that same section of Scripture again so that through Moses we can gain some important insights and information about Joshua. Let me read Exodus chapter 33, verses 7 through 11 again. It says this. Now Moses used to take a tent and pitch it outside the camp some distance away, calling it the tent of meeting. Anyone inquiring of the Lord would go to the tent of meeting outside the camp. And whenever Moses went out to the tent, all the people rose and stood at the entrances to their tents, watching Moses until he entered the tent. As Moses went into the tent, the pillar of cloud would come down and stay at the entrance while the Lord spoke with Moses. Whenever the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the entrance to the tent, they all stood and worshipped each at the entrance to their tent. The Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. Then Moses would return to the camp, but his young aide, Joshua, son of Nun, did not leave the tent. So again, in order for us to understand this section of Scripture, we have to go back in time to when the children of Israel were still enslaved in Egypt. Most of us who are followers of Jesus Christ and study the Bible know that the Jewish people were slaves in Egypt for over 400 years. That's longer than this country has been in existence. 400 years they were slaves to the people or to the nation of Egypt. The Bible tells us that the Egyptians were cruel and harsh and treated the Jewish people horribly. The Jewish people were severely oppressed with hard bondage and made to suffer terrible persecution by the Egyptians. But one day, God sent a man by the name of Moses to lead the people out of slavery. And through a series of God's miracles and plagues, the Egyptians let the Israelites go free. All of the miracles and plagues that God poured out on the Egyptians were amazing. They were fantastic. But God climaxed all of them with the parting of the Red Sea. How many of you know this is not a fairy tale? This is reality. Can you say amen? I mean, he climaxed all of those ten plagues. All those things were miracles, and you can study them, and you could look them up on your own. But one of the greatest miracles was the parting of the Red Sea. The Israelites were able to escape Egypt by crossing the Red Sea on dry land and then watching as the waters collapsed and destroyed the Egyptian army. Now, I want to go ahead and just show you this short clip that was uh, of the Ten Commandments. This movie was made in 1956, in my opinion. This is one of the greatest movies ever made, okay? This is 1956. This is before even I was born. Now, think about this. This is before Star Wars, and this is before all of the computer animation that we have available to us today, and yet they were able to make this movie uh, the way they did in 1956. This is just a really short clip of the, uh, the movie, The Ten Commandments, when Moses was used to, by God to part the Red Sea. So let's go ahead and watch this a little bit, okay?
towards the sea with the blast of his nostrils. Lead them through the midst of the waters. His will be done. He opens the waters before them, and he bars our way with fire. Let us go from this place. Men cannot fight against a god. Better to die in battle with a god than live in shame. Praise God and down into it! gotta admit that's pretty powerful stuff right there that's just the uh, animation but man that was like a, a powerful powerful thing and for 1956 boy they were able to do a really good job of being able to show that scene okay so the israelites crossed the red sea with all of their possessions and livestock the israelites crossed the red sea with the treasures and riches of egypt because the people of egypt willingly gave all of their treasures to the israelites so instead of leaving egypt poor and without resources the israelites or jewish people they left egypt blessed with an abundance of resources they left with everything they needed to live a blessed life it's the same thing for you and i who are christians today for those of us who have passed from death to life when we receive the gift of salvation second peter chapter one Verse 3 and 4 says this, His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and goodness. Through these, He has given us His very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires god is telling you and me who are born again who are christians who are children of god he has given us everything that we need he has provided us with everything that we need to make us make it through this life successfully and blessed and to prosper in his name church it's all there for us already so after the Israelites crossed the Red Sea, they left Egypt wealthy and blessed with abundance, with gold, silver, diamonds, clothing. I mean, they were, they were blessed beyond measure. And then God said, now I'm going to lead you to the promised land. So not only did God bless them when they came out, but now he says, I'm going to bless you even more because I'm going to take you into a place called the promised land. For you and I who are Christians today, I want you to know, if you think that you're blessed right now, guess what? There's a better place waiting for us, and that's heaven. One day we're going to go to heaven, church. It's going to get better. That's why we're here. That's why we follow God. That's, why we have to, that's what we have to look forward to because God has paved the way to bless us. Now... But before they could enter the promised land, those of you that know your Bibles and that have been in church for any length of time, you know that the Jewish people 
had to go through the wilderness where they needed to learn how to trust God. That's where you and I are right now. We, in this world that we're living in right now, with all of its madness and all of its chaos, you and I, today, right now, we have to learn how to live by trusting God. When times get hard, we got to trust God. When times get scary, we got to believe God. When times are difficult or challenging and there's opposition, we still got to follow God. That's just the way it is. Now, eventually, God told Moses to build a tabernacle or a portable tent church or sanctuary. When I first heard that word tabernacle, I had no clue what that was because I wasn't raised in church like this. And so when I became a Christian, all these words were strange words to me. Tabernacle sounds like scales all over somebody's body or whatever, like in Pirates of the Caribbean. Okay. Like the tabernacle, the knuckles or whatever that is. Okay. But the tabernacle was a portable church or a tent church. Whenever the Israelites would go to a place, they would set up camp and they would set up their church. And then when they would leave, they would pack everything up, move until they got to the next place. That was a tabernacle. And most of you that have been in church for a while or who study the Bible, you're familiar with the tabernacle and what it looked like. But I want to show a video of the tabernacle right now for the sake of those that maybe don't know what it is or what it looked like. Go ahead and show that, please. The tabernacle video. I don't know if there's any... That represents the prayers of God's people going up, the smoke. Table of showbread. There's the altar of incense again. Those are our prayers represented going up to God. This is called the Holy of Holies. Ten Commandments. Hey, Very YouTube, good. if you Very want to good. learn more about the tabernacle. Okay, so that's what the tabernacle looked like. So though, for those of you that maybe are not familiar with it, okay, and there's a whole study on that. We don't have time to get into all the study on that. So, But here's the thing, church. Before the tabernacle was built in the wilderness, the Bible tells us in our text this morning that Moses would meet with God daily in what the Bible calls a tent of meeting. Let me read our text again for the third time because it talks about a tent of meeting, not the tabernacle, a tent of meeting. Let me read it again. Exodus 33, verse 7, it says this. Now Moses used to take a tent and pitch it outside the camp some distance away, calling it the tent of meeting. 
Anyone inquiring of the Lord would go to the tent of meeting outside the camp. And whenever Moses went out to the tent, all the people rose and stood at the entrances, uh, entrances to the tents, watching Moses until he entered the tent. As Moses went into the tent, the pillar of cloud would come down and stay at the entrance while the Lord spoke with Moses. Whenever the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the entrance to the tent, they all stood and worshipped, each at the entrance to their tent. The Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. Then Moses would return to the camp, but his young aide, Joshua, son of Nun, did not leave the tent. So now I want us to watch this animation. Okay, it's for children, but uh, let's just pretend we're kids here. Of the tent of meeting that's described here in Exodus chapter 33, verses 7 through 11. So this is uh, just a little video to help you see what that's like, okay? Stories of the Bible. Moses and the tent of meeting. This is Moses. Hello. Who was an Israelite who grew up in the palace of the Egyptian Pharaoh. When Moses was much older, God called him to take his people out of Egypt with the help of his brother Aaron. Let me help After God showed his miraculous power in Egypt, he led the Israelites through the Red Sea and towards the promised land. They followed God who showed himself as a cloud by day and fire by night. While they were in the wilderness, God and Moses would talk in a place called the Tent of Meeting. Morning, Moses. Morning. Moses would take the tent and pitch it outside the Israelite camp. Everyone who wanted to ask God for something would go to the Tent of Meeting outside the camp. Whenever Moses went out to the Tent of Meeting, all the people would watch Moses until he disappeared inside. As he went into the tent, the pillar of cloud would come down and hover at its entrance while the Lord spoke with Moses. Wow! Inside the tent of meeting, the Lord would speak to Moses face to face, just as one speaks to a friend. And because of what Jesus did on the cross, we can talk to God as if we were talking to a friend too. All right, that was pretty cool, huh? Very good. Okay, so now Moses is 80 years old, over 80 years old. His first 40 years were spent in Egypt where he is being groomed to be the next pharaoh of Egypt. And the way uh, Moses grew up, I mean, he had everything. He was the son of the pharaoh. Anything that he wanted, he had the best of everything, the best education, the best preparation. He didn't know he was Jewish, and the pharaoh didn't know he was Jewish. Then the Bible tells us, that uh, at 40 years of age, when he realized that he was Jewish, he tried to defend the Jewish people and protect the uh, Jewish people. They found out he was Jewish. He was exiled from Egypt. And so he spent the next 40 years in the desert. And that's where he had to learn how to survive with just God helping him, just like you and I are learning to survive with just God helping us. And he did. And he was able to survive those 40 years. Then when Moses turned 80 years of age, God sent Moses back to Egypt. And God used Moses to lead the Israelites out of slavery. So now, again, Moses is 80 years of age. And the Bible tells us that there was a young man by the name of Joshua that became Moses' young assistant. Sadly, because of Israel's disobedience, a journey that should have lasted just a few weeks ended up lasting 
40 years. And Joshua stood by Moses by his side for those 40 years until Moses was taken by God at the age of 120. So in our text for this morning, the last verse tells us something really interesting and important about Joshua. In our text for this morning, Exodus 33, verse 11, it says this, The Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. Then Moses would return to the camp, but his young aide, Joshua, son of Nun, did not leave the tent. You see, Joshua enjoyed hanging out in the house of God. I don't know if he was just being nosy or if he was just being like uh, wanting to find. I mean, I'm sure maybe when God was speaking to Moses, maybe Mo, uh, Joshua would kind of put his ear next to that tent to see if he could hear something that was going on. I'm not really sure. But Joshua enjoyed hanging out in the house of God. In the days of Joshua and Moses, when they first came out of the nation of Israel, the only house of God was the tent of meeting. The tabernacle had not been set up yet. So here we see another example of someone who chose to set his heart on seeking after God, just like David did, just like Joseph did, just like Josiah did, just like Samuel did. Joshua loved hanging out in the house of the Lord. We have another reference to Joshua and his role or commitment to Moses found in the book of Numbers, chapter 11, verse 28. And it says this, Joshua, son of Nun, who had been Moses' aide since youth, spoke up and said, Moses, my Lord, stop them. So we learn from these two verses that from the time that Joshua was very young, he willingly served Moses as an, as an aide or as a servant. And from a very young age, Joshua set his heart on seeking after God. So Joshua enjoyed hanging out with God, and Joshua enjoyed hanging out in the house of God, and Joshua enjoyed serving God by serving Moses, the man of God. And at that time, the house of God was the tent of meeting. Now, this is the same thing that we learned about David. David was a man after God's own heart. This is the same thing that we learned about Joseph. He was desiring to seek after God. This is the same thing that we learned about Josiah and the same thing that we learned about Samuel. In spite of their handicaps, in spite of their weaknesses, in spite of their difficulties or their struggles, their lack of skills, their lack of education, their lack of experience, because these young people chose to seek after God. They connected with God. They found God. They discovered God. And why is this important? How does Joshua fit into this? or relate to this? What makes Joshua's life or situation so unique? Joshua was a slave. He was a slave. And yet he chose to seek after and serve God. If anyone had any reason to complain about how he was being treated, it was Joshua. Now some of us cannot even handle being an employee at work. You don't like the way your supervisor treats you or talks to you, and you get an attitude. You don't like the way your boss talks to you, and you get an attitude. You don't like the way you're treated, and you get an attitude. And you get paid for what you do. You're not an actual slave, but you work like a slave because you're kind of owned by a company or owned by an organization or owned by uh, uh, somebody that's paying you. And yes, you're doing the work. You're not doing it for free. You're getting paid. And, and you know, even as an employee, you have rights. 
And you have privileges. And you have an opportunity to speak out and to complain. But when you're a slave, you don't get paid. You don't have any rights. You can't speak. You can't complain. If you open your mouth, if you give somebody a mad dog look, you're going to get your head cut off. If anybody had reason to complain, it was Joshua. He was a slave. He was treated horribly. He was treated like a dog, worse than an animal. His life was worth nothing to the Egyptians. And in spite of all that, he made a decision in his heart to go after and to get to know the true and living God that was allowing him and the rest of the Jewish people to be treated worse than animals. Are you guys following me and getting this picture here? This is Joshua. So I don't know what you think you may be going through in your life or, or how hard you may think you have it in your life or how unfair you may think that things are in your life. It cannot compare to what Joshua had to go through as a slave living in a nation that was treating him very, very harshly. A common theme in all of these studies concerning these young people is that we discover that they all chose to seek after God in spite of their circumstances. They made no excuses. They didn't try to rationalize it. They didn't try to explain. No, no, no. They just said, you know what? God is God. And no matter what happens in my life and no matter what's going on, the only way that I'm going to make it and be prosperous and go to heaven is by following him. They all chose to seek after God. They all had a desire to seek after the Lord. Proverbs chapter 8, verses 14 through 17. This applies to all of us. Anyone. I don't care what your situation is. Listen to what God offers you. He says, counsel and sound judgment are mine. I have insight. I have power. By me, kings reign and rulers issue decrees that are just. By me, princes govern and nobles, all who rule on earth. I love those who love me and those who seek me, find me. The same promise that I said about David, the same promise that I said about, jo about uh, Josiah, the same one about Samuel, and the same one about Joseph applies to you, applies to me, and it applies to Joshua. I love those who love me and those who seek me, find me. You want to get to know God? You want to discover God? You got to seek him. You got to get up in the morning and you got to seek him. Before you go to bed tonight, at night, you got to seek him and you got to thank him and you got to go through your, you got to make him your friend, your best friend. Jeremiah chapter 29 verses 11 through 14. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. That applies to every single one of us. It doesn't matter what your background, it doesn't matter what your faults or what your issues or what your struggles are. This applies to all of us who are willing to surrender to Almighty God. He says this, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart i will be found by you declares the lord that's his promise second chronicles 16 9 for the eyes of the lord range throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him 
Psalm 33, verse 18. But the eyes of the Lord are on those who fear him, on those whose hope is in his unfailing love. Psalm 34, verse 15. The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are attentive to their cry. Proverbs chapter 15, verse 3. The Bible says this. The eyes of the Lord are everywhere, keeping watch on the wicked and the good. Proverbs 22, 12. The eyes of the Lord keep watch over knowledge, but he frustrates the words of the unfaithful. 1 Peter 3, 12. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are attentive to their prayer, but the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Listen, the same offer that God made to Joshua, the same offer that God made to David, the same offer that God made to Josiah, the same offer that God made to Joseph, the same offer that God made to Samuel. He is making it to you right here, right now, no matter how messed up, no matter how miserable, no matter how tore up, no matter how chaotic your life may be. It doesn't matter. God is offering you life with him. He's offering you a chance to live. To get out of that mess. But you got to seek him. Now if you like where you're at, stay there. That's up to you. But God is offering you something better. Joshua was a slave. He was in severe, harsh, violent bondage. His life was not his own. He was owned by another human being. He had no rights. He had no voice. He had no freedom. He had no privileges. It was, it, he was at the mercy of the cruel, cold-blooded, harsh, and brutal people. And yet, he chose to seek after God. He could have been bitter and angry and miserable and, and been rebellious and had an attitude and, and, and wanted and, and whatever. But he humbled himself and he chose to go after the Lord Almighty. Now, I don't know how you have been treated by other people. I don't know what abuse or horrible experiences you may have had growing up. I don't know what your church experiences may have been like, negative or terrible or backstabbing. I mean, terrible things sadly happen at church. But I will guarantee you this. Nothing that you have been through will compare to what Joshua went through as a slave. And yet he chose to seek after God. You say, Pastor Jerry, there aren't any slaves anymore today. Oh, really? Have you heard of sex trafficking? Have you heard of pimps and prostitutes? Have you heard of kidnapping? Listen, if you're a parent, if you have kids, I I pray sincerely that you pray for your kids daily. Because every time they walk out that door, I don't mean to be negative or put fear into you, but every time they walk out that door, they're in danger. We live in a very corrupt and evil and satanic and wicked society. In case you don't know that, I want to wake you up and I want to let you know the kind of world that we live in. It is wicked and evil and dark. And you need to pray for your kids. Because the devil is after our kids. They're already being neglected. They don't have God in their schools. They don't have God in their homes. The only place that they're going to to find God if they do hear about God is if they go to church because most of our parents are ungodly. They don't have a clue about what's going on. We live in a very corrupt world, and we need to pray for our kids. There is slavery. 
The slavery of a lost soul without God. The slavery of a soul that is separated from God on its way to hell and doesn't even realize it. That's why Jesus said he came to set the captive free. Can you say amen, church? Aren't you glad that you've been set free, church? That he's given you all that you need? He says you've passed from death to life and I've given you all that you need to live a successful and blessed and prosperous life on the earth right now, even though you're surrounded by evil and corruption, you have all that you need to live a successful life in Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, as we, Lord God, begin to study the life of Joshua and break into this situation, Lord, I pray right now, God, that you, by your spirit, will speak to the people that are listening right now. There's a lot of people hurting right now. There's a lot of people scared right now. There's a lot of people going through insecurities right now. They're very nervous. They're really uptight. The holidays are coming. Lord, a lot of parents are are struggling financially right now and don't know what they're going to do for Christmas. There's a lot of pressure, a lot of pressure, Lord God. A lot of people sick, a lot of people paranoid. Lord, we need you today more than ever before. My prayer is that we would turn to you in this time of darkness, in this time of insecurity. Help us to turn to you, to seek you, Lord, to fellowship with you. If you're here this morning and you say, Jerry, I am not a Christian. I have never surrendered my life to Jesus. If I were to die today or if Jesus were to come, I'm not sure if I would go to heaven. God does not want you to go to hell. He wants you to go to heaven. But you got to seek him. you got to seek him. you got to go after God. He's there. And he makes this promise. You come after me, and man, you're going to discover who I am as your God. That's his promise. So if you want to receive that free gift of salvation, if you want to pass from death to life, say this prayer with me right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, I come before you, and I acknowledge that I am a sinner. I've, me- I've messed up. I've made mistakes. I have hurt you as my God. But today, I willingly surrender my heart and my life to you. I don't want to be a slave to the devil anymore. I want to be a servant of God. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Let's give God glory. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Now I want to pray for all of you right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for all the people that are here this morning. Help them to know, Lord God, that you see. We read all those scriptures about how you see everything that's going on. You see everything that's happening in our lives. You are aware of everything that is happening in our lives. You are aware of the people that are trying to mess with us. And Lord God, you are with us and you're going to protect us and you're going to help us. And Lord God, I pray for my brothers and my sisters that are struggling, that are hurting, that are scared, that are insecure, that are battling all kinds of temptations and all kinds of madness and chaos. I pray for my brothers and sisters that you will keep us strong, keep us focused, keep us in love with you and keep us following you no matter how crazy things get. Help us to be faithful, to serve you with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to follow you no matter what. In Jesus' name we pray. Now God's people said.